Well, it's wonderful to be in the house of the Lord today. If you have your Bibles, please turn to the book of Exodus chapter 2. Beginning at verse 1. And a man of the house of Levi went and took as wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And the child grew. She brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, Because I drew him out of the water. A child born into the earth. His father and mother were servants of the Lord. Those that feared the Lord. By the providence of God, this child was born into the earth. Born into the earth in a time when fear of God was scarce. A wicked plot, an evil attempt cloaked the land. It's happened before. Exodus 1, we back up in the book, beginning at verse 8. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Look, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And it happened in the event of war that they also join our enemies and fight against us and so go up out of the land. Therefore, they sent taskmasters. They set them over them to afflict them with their burdens. And they built, they built for Pharaoh supply cities. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. Then they were in dread of the children of Israel. So the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor. 
And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage. In mortar and brick and in all manner of service in the field, all their service in which they made them serve was with rigor. Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name of one was Shifra, and the name of the other Pua. And he said, When you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women and see them on their birth stools, if it is a son, then you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this? And saved the male children alive. And the midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. For they are lively and give birth before the midwives come to them. Therefore God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very mighty. And so it was, because the midwives feared God, that he provided households for them, gave them families. So Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. Let us note today the hand of the Lord upon his people. When the hand of the Lord is upon a people, a people afflicted, The Bible says afflicted with burdens, but the more they afflicted the people of God, the more they multiplied and grew. Thriving under persecution. Growth. The Bible says multiplication. When the hand of the Lord is on a people. The text is clear. The Egyptians were in dread of the people of God. So the plot thickened. The text reads, So the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage. In mortar, in brick, and in all manner of service in the field. All their service in which they made them serve was with rigor. That word, it means harshness, severity, cruelty. The people of the Lord, His holy nation, though facing this, though feeling this, they had a resilience within and upon them. What does the Bible say? Isaiah 54, 17, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Listen, we know the reality. Weapons form. Tongues arise. And still, the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness shall stand. It wasn't enough to afflict them, 
to afflict the people of God, to afflict them with burdens and service with rigor, lives bitter with bondage. Can we relate? Hear the Spirit of the Lord today. The king of Egypt took things to another level. Beyond affliction, afflicted with burdens, beyond service with rigor, lives bitter with bondage. We read verses 15 and 16. Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, and he said, When you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women, and see them on their birth stools, if it is a son, then you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. Let's take out the godly seed. Let's put the male children to death. Let's stop the multiplying, kill the future, claim generations. Let's break this heritage, but leave the daughters to the Egyptians. Now, thank the Lord that there was some fear of God left in the land. A land that once knew the Lord in the administration of his servant Joseph. Verse 17, but the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. Lord, let it be in our time that there be those that move in the fear of the Lord and do not do as the evil mandate says. Verses 18 and 19, so the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, why have you done this thing and saved the male children alive? And the midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are lively and give birth before the midwives come to them. The midwives chose the fear of God, the fear of the Lord over a mandate over a decree, what they were told to do. They chose to move in the fear of the Lord, and the Bible says, verses 20 and 21, therefore God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very mighty. And so it was because the midwives feared God that he provided households for them. Church, times such as these, with mandates such as these, they will draw out those that have a fear of God, even move those to action. You see, we read by the text that Pharaoh had to move quickly. He needed to take action. They needed action taken. Verse 22, so Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. And that's where we turn the page to Exodus chapter 2. The Lord sees the affliction of his people 
The Lord sees their burdens, the rigor, the bondage, the injustice. It's not hidden from the Lord. The Lord knows the wicked plot, the plotting, the mandates against the righteous and righteousness. In a time when male children were to be terminated at birth, killed, cast into the river of Egypt, the son is born into the earth. His mother tried to hide him. She knew there was a death sentence upon him. She tried to hide him for three months. We might rush through the text, but imagine the seconds of every day of that three months. The prayers, the fears, the worry, the concern, the questions, the desperate calling out on God. The child grew, and we read the beginning words of verse 3, when she could no longer hide him. What do you do when hiding is no longer an option? This can speak to many things today. What do you do when hiding is no longer an option? Concerning this story, when the world must know the child and the child the world. What do you do when hiding is no longer an option? You see, the gender of the child was chosen of the Lord, and there was no changing that. A son. A son of God. The mother moved in the fear of the Lord. The Bible says, verse 3, when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. This is more than just a cute children's story reserved for children's church. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what this mother was going through? the intensity of these moments and the tearing at the heart. Pharaoh commanded, every son who is born you shall cast into the river. And here she is, placing her child in the river. A three-month-old cast into the river would surely drown. One might hope for survival, But there is a plan of the Lord, and there is a way of the Lord when hiding is no longer an option. If we can receive the word of the Lord today, for it speaks. What is it for us? An ark. The text, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. An ark that would float above the waters that were meant to drown the child. An ark that would hold the child. 
She took care of the inside and out. I wonder, was this mother quickened by the Spirit of the Lord? Was she reminded by the Spirit of the man Noah from the book of Genesis? How he moved with godly fear and made an ark, covering it inside and out with pitch? Yes, his time was a time of the judgment of the Lord upon a wicked people, and yet the answer of the Lord to save the righteous would be the answer to save this righteous child against the floodwaters of enemy mandate. Verses 3 and 4, when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. The child was now in the hands of the Lord in an ark placed among the reeds. When hiding is no longer an option, Now all you can do is stand by and watch and trust God. This is the place where trust in the Lord is fully tested. When you've done all you can, and now you must stand by and watch. What would be done to him, this child? Verse 5. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. Now we know the end of the story, but imagine the fear. Pharaoh's daughter found the child. Hiding no longer an option, and all you can do is stand by and watch as your child's lifted out of the water. What would happen to this child with the death sentence upon it? Verse 6, and when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him. And said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Listen, the Lord will use the compassion of others to save those that are His. To secure His future for them. Lives in the hands of God. And what happens next is simply miraculous. Verses 7 to 9, then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women? that she may nurse the child for you? I mean, what an act of faith. Stepping out and stepping in. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. 
Here's this mother, her child, her son back in her care, and she was now receiving wages for nursing him. Miracle God. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto thee. These must have been incredible days. And yet the mother knew the day would come where she once again would have to release the child. Fully trusting the Lord. Verse 10, and the child grew and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter. And he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, Because I drew him out of the water. Moses. It's quite the name. Drawn out. Drawn out of the water. Drawn out of the river of death. Drawn out from under a sentence of evil. This is the very daughter of Pharaoh, and she names the child. But the Lord knew what name the child needed. The Lord knew what name fit the testimony of life till now, and what name would fit the days of destiny to come. Drawn out. Moses knew what his name meant. As he grew, he already had quite the testimony, an ark of salvation, an act of compassion, a godly heritage. What a miracle. Well, Moses, he grew up in Egypt. He's scared of Egypt. Fearful. Imagine him growing up in Egypt, something to ponder. The influences, teachings, manners, ways, customs could go on. One might say the indoctrination. Verses 11 to 15, now came to pass in those days, listen, when there's a deposit of God in a child, now came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, and he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way, and when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting and he said to the one who did the wrong, Why are you striking your companion? Then he said, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Here's Moses, son of Pharaoh's daughter. But he knew who he really was and whose he really was. 
He sees the burdens of his true people, and he steps in when one of his brethren is being beaten. It wasn't hidden. And now here he is fleeing once again for his life. Fleeing for his life. For once again, Pharaoh seeks to kill him. As a child, as a man, a death sentence upon him. So here he is now in the land of Midian sitting by a well. Drawn out or driven out? Remember, the Lord sees the affliction of his people. The Lord sees their burdens, the rigor, the bondage. The Lord knows the wicked plotting the mandates against the righteous and righteousness. See it as you may, I know the Lord had his hand upon Moses from conception. Knit together in his mother's womb, drawn out of the water here. And now drawn out of Egypt that the Lord might use this man to draw his people out from under the yoke of slavery and bondage. It's quite the story. It's quite the life. We can't take it all in today, but we pick up later on in the story, Exodus 2, 23 to 25. Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out. And their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God... He heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. At this time, Moses is out tending the flock of his father-in-law. He leads the flock to the back of the desert. And comes to Horeb, the mountain of God. Exodus 3, beginning at verse 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, listen, turn aside and he will speak to you. He said, here I am. And he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. When the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. 
So I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. We know the great deliverance of the Lord. If you've read the text, if you've been around church, if you've read your Bible, we know the signs and the wonders and the miracles that the Lord worked in Egypt. That the oppressor break and let the people go. This incredible story of a man, a death sentence upon him as a child, and a death sentence upon him as a man. Drawn out very meaning of his name. A man drawn out by God, sent to be used by God to draw the people of God from slavery and bondage, to draw them out of Egypt. And we know what the word of the Lord was. Let my people go. The plagues of Egypt, the wonders of Egypt, the wonders the Lord multiplied in Egypt and the final stroke, Exodus 12, 29 to 30. And it came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon. And all the firstborn of livestock. So Pharaoh rose in the night, he all his servants, and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. The people of the Lord drawn out of Egypt. The Lord using a man drawn out of the waters of death as a child. Drawn out of Egypt as a man. Drawn out to the back of the desert on the mountain of God. I want us to know today that the Lord wants to draw us out. As the people of God, He wants to draw us out. Are the people of God enslaved and bound in Egypt? Afflicted? Burdened? Under service with rigor? Is there a hellish mandate? Is there a hellish mandate to halt the multiplying of the good seed of God? To claim generations? Don't be so blind. So naive. It may not look like it did in the book of Exodus, but the text surely speaks to today. A mandate to 
kill the godly seed, to stop the godly seed, to stop the multiplying. And it's not enough to just oppress them. Let them feel burdened. Service with rigor. Kill the godly seed. Terminate it. No more godly generations. It's the enemy's plan to claim generations. Whatever it takes. It's the plot and ploy of the enemy to keep the people of God. If you can't wipe them out altogether, keep them bound and in slavery. Oppressed and afflicted. The enemy hates when there are righteous in the land and righteousness flourishes. But praise the Lord, we read that the hand of the Lord was upon them. They multiplied and they grew. God has a plan. The Lord has a plan. And there will be those that move in godly fear, that choose the fear of the Lord. Drawn out. Well, the Lord wants to draw us out. And the Lord wants to draw things out of us. Share these words today. Moses was tending sheep when God called him from the burning bush, commanding him, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Exodus 3, 5. Holy ground is not a physical place, but a spiritual one. When God commanded Moses to take off his shoes because he was on holy ground, he was not referring to a two-by-four piece of real estate. He was talking about a spiritual state. A holy God must have a holy man on holy ground. In fact, God can't use a man until he gets him on holy ground. The place was holy. What place? The place was the spiritual condition Moses had finally come to. A place in his growth where God could get through to him. He was finally at the place of reception, ready to listen, mature enough to be willing to respond to the dealing of a holy God. Please don't think for a moment that Moses was alone, that Moses alone was on holy ground. So was all of Israel, even though they were at the end of their hope. I have never believed God would keep an entire nation under slavery just to give Moses time to mature into a gracious leader. Our Lord is no respecter of persons. God in those 40 trying years was preparing Israel as well as Moses. By way of loving judgment, the Lord was driving Israel back to holy ground, back to hunger for Jehovah. Hear it today. Hear the word of the Lord today. 
while Moses was on the mountain being stripped of all his rights, because that is what was meant by the removal of his shoes. Israel was in the valley being stripped of all human strength. Moses would have no rights. Israel would have no strength. God could prove himself strong on their behalf in no other way. If it's too deep, go deeper. The great I am was being revealed. We will have to go the same route to usefulness. That is stripping of all self-pride and self-confidence. I wonder how many Christians are like, I'm in, Lord. The stripping of all self-pride and self-confidence. There's too many walking today trying to walk for the Lord and trying to live for the Lord, claiming they live for the Lord, full of self-pride and self-confidence. That's not the way of the Lord. We'll have to go the same route to usefulness. You want to be used to God? Get rid of your stinking pride and your confidence in the flesh, your confidence in self. You know, God wants to get us all on holy ground, to drive us to holy ground. You know, He's trying. He's trying. But man, he's been dealing with the pride of man for a long, long time and that self-confidence. He's trying to get us on the holy ground. He tries and tries and tries. You know, I pray that these times we are in will drive us to holy ground and will drive us to hunger for Jehovah. Are the people of God hungry for Jehovah? I'm thankful that the Lord has a remnant, but He's calling His people in these times. He's trying to drive us, to bring us to holy ground, to draw us out. Come out from among them, says the Lord. Is there a mother or a father in the house fearful of the mandate of the enemy? Trust in the Lord. Prepare an ark for your child. Listen, mind the inside and the outside. This mother moved in godly fear, she wasn't a fool. A word from the Lord. This father and mother were standing on holy ground. 
Is there a child in the house? Is there a young person in the house? Is there an adult in the house? The Lord wants to draw you out. This your testimony drawn out by the Lord for His purposes, for His glory, for His fame, for His renown. Drawn out that the Lord might work in us and on us to get us standing on holy ground that he can use us, that others be drawn out. This is the processing of the Lord. <laughs> can I have the worship team return today? Are you here today? You don't know the Lord? Is your Lord? You've never given your life? You've never accepted the sacrifice of Jesus? The cross, you've never bowed your knee. You're hanging on to pride, standing firm, trusting in self-confidence, relying in the arm of the flesh to see you through, gambling with your life, gambling with your soul. This is no game of dice. I've said before, the enemy plays for keeps. Sinner in the house of the Lord, the Lord comes to draw you out today. Out of the waters of death, out from under the sentence of death, to draw you out of the river of Egypt. To draw you out of Egypt, to draw Egypt out of you. Hiding is no longer an option, and the truth is, hiding was never an option. The Lord comes today. You can't hide from God. He doesn't want a death sentence upon you. Come out of hiding and receive His life sentence. Receive His grace and His mercy and His kindness. Lay it all down. Break your pride today. Cast away self-confidence. He's our only hope. The hope for all of us. Book of Hebrews. You know, the text we've taken in today, there's faith all over it. What does the Bible say? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Impossible is quite the word. Hebrews 11, beginning of verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Don't fear. 
faith. Trust in the Lord. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Anyone here today, you've come of years? Well, there's a choice to be made. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Choices and choosing. The pleasures of sin for a season. And where does it get us? Where does it leave us? Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. That's a godly generation. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. That's how you endure. What does it say, those who endure till the end? Through faith he kept the Passover and sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea, as by dry land which the Egyptians are saying, to do or drown. Faith. Faith. Let's stand in the house of the Lord today. Lord, you see your people. You see all things. Nothing is hid from you, Lord. Nothing is hid from your eyes. One thing I ask, one thing I pray for myself, for my family, and for this house is that these times would drive and draw us to holy ground. That you would truly have your people, a people without pride. For we know you love humility. Lord, I pray that our confidence would be in you. And Lord, that truly, not, not a hunger that's pretending, but Lord, a real hunger, a real hunger for Jehovah would take over. Lord, however it applies today, just begin to draw us out. Begin to draw us out. Draw us out of fear, out of reluctance. 
Draw us out of the river of death. Draw us out. Draw us out of Egypt, Lord. Use us for your glory. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you need prayer for anything today, the altar's open. I'm just going to lift up this course in closing. If you're choosing to give your heart, your life to the Lord, it's an all-in thing. Come today and surrender. Receive prayer. As you leave this place today, the ushers will be more than happy to hand you a Bible that you can take and make your own. You can open up and read anywhere for the Word of God is living and active. But I'd encourage you to open up to the book of John. Begin to read the story of Jesus, the message of the gospel, the good news of salvation. Lord, we love you. Lord, we love you.